0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with seasoned lawyer Matthew Cersely. These days, he is a lawyer who has dedicated his practice to helping people learn more about how to legally reduce their taxes and provide peace of mind that those won't be doing anything that will likely annoy the IRS. He lives in the North Dallas area, but has clients all over the country. When not messing with the government, he spends his time with three children, or reads, lifts weights, or goes camping. He's got quite a story. Enjoy. It's great to meet
1: you, and I want to begin our conversation with surviving the last three and a half years or so. How did you get through the pandemic, and how did it change you?
2: Okay. Um, Well, I mean, the the reason I have my business is because of the pandemic. I am an attorney. I was working uh, as a personal injury attorney at the time, so mostly making my money off car wrecks and that sort of thing. And then the pandemic happened, and suddenly people weren't driving. So the number of car wrecks went way down, and even the car wrecks that did happen tended to be single car car wrecks where there's no work. So my revenue as an employee is based on the amount of money I make for my boss. And I was seeing the amount of money I was making personally going down, and I wasn't sure the firm was going to survive. A lot of them didn't. So I'm like, I got to get something else. And so it was finally in end of November, beginning of December of 2020 that I started my current business. Um, it, it literally out of just I needed a backup in case something happened to my day job because of everything with the pandemic.
1: So let's get to the heart and soul. I know you do law and, and, and but let's get to the heart and soul of exactly what you do on a daily basis. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. And one of the kids is curious what you do for a living. How do you answer them?
2: Uh, hopefully they know what taxes are. Cause if they don't know that it's going to be hard to explain, but, uh, well, everybody owes money to the government whenever they make money. And I help people figure out ways to legally pay less money to the government. Okay. Okay.
1: So have you seen an uptick since the pandemic in your business? Have you seen more people coming to you?
2: again i'm i'm a new business so i'm seeing more people just because i'm a new business gotcha but definitely i have heard had a number of people kind of tell me they were complacent in their business before the pandemic and then their revenue dropped or their expenses went up and so they had to save money somehow and kind of that searching did lead some of them to come to me cuz it's like well i'm paying you know in many cases 30 to 40% of my income in taxes yeah. you know if i could drop that from 40% to 30% that's a lot of money i'm saving yeah maybe i should talk to a tax guy whereas before it's like oh i i don't want to deal with that that's a hassle that's complicated so it's definitely everything related to the pandemic and then the supply chain crisis kind of caused by it has definitely increased the business of tax people
1: So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream to grow up and become?
2: Man, in third grade, um, I probably wanted to be a marine biologist, like, you know, half the other people in the class. Um, And I was also really interested in being a pilot. Okay. Did you pursue any of that? I did not. Uh, I took my first biology class in ninth grade, and I said, this is super, super boring. (laughs) Um, And I also learned that because... They, there's there's no money in marine biology because everyone wants to do it. Yes. Um, I have taken a few flying lessons uh, when I was in law school. I I got I took four or five flying lessons. Uh, that was fun. I could see in a different universe I would have gone that way as a profession, but I at that point again I was already in law school, so it wasn't like I was going to drop out of law school to pursue that. Um, but it, it was certainly very interesting to to be flying something that you're controlling. It's it's very different than sitting in the back of a plane. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So tell me where you were born and raised and how these seeds of becoming a lawyer, how did this all begin and, and evolve into who you are?
2: So I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, about the time I was five, my family moved to Colorado Springs because my father had a tech job and needed to be in by NORAD. Then NORAD mostly shut down, and all the jobs disappeared when I was 10-ish or so, and we moved to Dallas. And I've basically been in Dallas since. Uh, I had no interest in being a lawyer at all um, until I was in college. And actually, I was going. To, I was in college, and my plan was to be a math teacher or a math professor. Okay. Uh, so I was a math and computer science guy. But one of my good friends I went to high school with, who was also a math and computer science guy, basically we, we met at a New Year's Eve party my senior year, and he basically was talking about, you know, when you look at the people who go into law school, it's maybe 10% of them are math and science people, and about 90% are humanities people. But when you look at the top 10 or the top 20 in every class graduating, it's like 50-50 people who have that math and science and logical mindset tend to do really well in law school. And at the time I was getting really into politics as well. And so it's like, you know what? And, and, and I was also having some problem with the math side of it that I was supposed to get a research uh, project over the summer to get my master, my bachelor of science. And no one wanted to take me on as research assistant. So it's like, I was kind of, a bit behind the eight ball in my plans that way i was getting more into politics and so it's like sure i'll go to law school and maybe i'll be some sort of constitutional lawyer or something cuz you know i'm i'm really big into civil rights and protecting people's civil rights and it's like yeah i'll i'll do that i can do that for a living
1: so who's been a hero for you in your life
2: um You know, I've got a number of heroes Uh, on the legal side. One of my biggest heroes is a guy named Jerry Spence. Um, I think he's 89 or 90 years old. Uh, Most people who know about him know about him because he did a lot of coverage on the uh, OJ Simpson trial. Yeah. Um, And actually, like, he was big enough. OJ Simpson called him up. and was like, hey, I want you to represent me. And Jerry Spence said, I don't think so. (laughs) Um, But he was... uh, uh, he he hosted a lot of the Larry King Show as well as a guest uh, when Larry King was sick, um, and he he's just he's a good man. He's a good lawyer. He's the person who taught me you can be a good human being and a good lawyer uh, because the problem. And then this is a quote straight from him. But law school tends to lobotomize you. It takes out everything that makes you a human being and turns you into a robot. And so you need to remember how to be a human being. Um, another one of my heroes, and this is one I've never met, uh, is uh, Richard Feynman. Yeah. Uh, Richard Feynman was a physicist, was uh, very famous in that he was helping to uh, investigate the Challenger explosion back in the day and demonstrated on live TV his theory about what happened in a congressional hearing without talking about it with anybody. <laughs> um, but he wrote a great book, um, What Do You Care What Other People Think? And it was kind of his memoirs of his life, and he, you know, he grew up. He worked on the uh, the atom bomb project in Los Alamos. So, in the recent Oppenheimer movie, one of the characters is Richard Feynman. Yeah. Um, But he basically he was really big on I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to be great. And if other people don't like that, tough. Yeah. Um, But he, he was just such a crazy person in some ways, like. You know, he needed a hobby in Los Alamos. So what did a lot of people take up as hobbies? Well, you know, a lot of people actually took up like knitting and crocheting. Um, a lot of people started gardening. No, he took up lock picking on the most secret, most secure military installation in the United States. He took up lock picking and then safe cracking as a hobby.
1: <laughs> That's wild. So let me ask you this, if you can meet, maybe you already answered this, if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be?
2: Oh man, that's, that's a hard question. Um, and it, it's hard because like there's, I, I've been very lucky, um, since I started my business, um, I've, I've built up a lot of connections through clients and I've gotten to meet some of the people I would have answered this for maybe five years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it. I guess he just dropped out of the presidential race, but I think Vivek Ramaswamy is just a very interesting person. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'd just love to pick his brain for thirty minutes. Like, I don't agree with him on a lot of things. Yeah, but he's he's different. He thinks differently. Yeah, and I just, you know, that that eccentric millionaire slash billionaire mindset is just fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you this: What is your motivation every day to wake up? to do the work that you do, to help people, to protect them? What is that for
2: you? Um, I'd, I'd say I have two different motivations. One is I love puzzles. And this is part of my math and background, I think. But ultimately, helping people save money on their taxes, it's all a puzzle. And it's like the most complicated puzzle ever built. And it's a different puzzle for every person because just you know whether somebody has kids or not, whether those kids are... Ten or twenty can change everything about the solution to the puzzle. So it's that intellectual exercise. Uh, the other thing is, I I do tend to swing very libertarian. So getting to screw with the IRS is definitely a big motivation. <laughs> uh, you know, I say, you know, if you pay me a thousand dollars to save two thousand dollars and cost the government two thousand dollars, that's a win-win-win scenario.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So. What has been one of your best success stories so far with this new business, like one that really stands out?
2: Um, So in terms of just results, um, I had one client who basically, because of some licensing requirements, suddenly doubled his income in 2020. Like, Basically, he had a license where you had to be on site to do certain things, and he was willing to still work where a lot of people without license were not. And so he literally doubled his income for that year. And it it was about the same in 2021, and then it dropped back down to regular, but it's like, now he's in a much higher tax bracket. So what are we going to do to help him out? Um, and I basically figured out some ways in like November of 2020, again, he was one of my very first clients. Um, I saved him something like $27,000 that year. And it saved him more the next year because you could actually put things in place ahead of time, um, and just—I mean—that was a, a life-changing thing for him. I mean, imagine having twenty-five thousand dollars more in your pocket; like that'll change anybody's life for the better. I think. Yeah. Um, maybe more interesting to me has been some of the—it's—it's it's like I'm—I'm I'm becoming slowly known in some of the world I'm in. So I've I've now been on a number of podcasts and it's been interesting because like I've met other attorneys and they're like, oh, I heard you on that podcast. And so it's just like it it's weird. Like I'm not a celebrity by any means. But like there is a subset of the population who kind of knows who I am. And probably because I have such a strange and unique last name, you know, people tend to remember it. Yeah. Um, and so like I consider it a success that I was out, um over at somebody's house for a party, um, I guess two weeks ago on Saturday. And somebody who I didn't know who was at that party, you know, heard me. It's like, Oh, I, I heard you on that podcast. And I mean, to some extent that's a success story. Like people who I don't even know, who have no idea who I am, are beginning to learn who I am and what I do.
1: Yeah. So that's a good that's a good uh, send off to my next question of all the things that you've done in your life up to this point. What are you the proudest of? Uh,
2: I, I'm definitely proudest of being a father. I have three children. Uh, my eldest is turning twelve in a matter of days, um, and just seeing these these people who I helped create, who I'm you know helping to raise to be adults is fascinating is terrifying uh but it is deeply deeply satisfying and even like you know i every parent has challenge every kid has their own challenges um you know seeing especially my two oldest because my youngest is kind of young enough i don't there hasn't been a lot of growth necessarily yet but seeing the older two deal with already problems in their life um you know my my middle son has a little bit of dyslexia so I had a really hard time learning how to read um but he now is reading better than anybody in his class because he loves to do it and so he figured it out yeah and I so I just I'm really really proud of being a father and seeing these kids grow up and uh, some of the best advice I got from a good friend of mine is you're not raising kids you're raising future adults and again they're not adults yet so you know nothing is set in stone, but I, I definitely like the odds of my kids at this point in becoming successful adults.
1: So let's say, speaking of kids and youth, if you had a dream tonight, you ran into a senior in high school version of you, and you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the life you've lived, the wisdom you've gained. What advice would you impart on your young version?
2: <laughs> um, You know, that's a hard question. And and I'm kind of one of those people who is like, I'm not sure I would change anything because I am the sum total of everything that happened to me. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I could tell myself, you know, don't waste your money on this, you know, do it in that. Like I, I was very interested in investing in real estate in, you know, Oh, nine, 10, 11, 12, when I would have made a lot of money doing it. And I just, I didn't do it. I never got around to it. Um. So I think, like, in hindsight, I potentially lost a lot of potential income there. But on the other hand, the choices I made and what I did do that turned into what I have now. Yeah. Um, it's also funny. I in, in my senior year of high school, I was actually in a very serious boating accident. Um, I, I was inner tubing and I hit a dock. Oh, wow. So I spent o- over six weeks in the hospital recovering from that um, and then... Like literally had to learn how to walk again because my i have nerve damage in one of my legs and so i couldn't balance properly and so on the one hand like it might be the advice of hey don't don't go to that lake <laughs> uh th- that weekend but on the other hand again like that that changed who i was in some ways for the worst but in in many ways i think for the better like i learned more about perseverance from having to go through that healing process than i had ever learned before so I, I definitely am a stronger, uh, to to use the, some of the modern business for that, career, more anti-fragile now because of that experience. Yeah, than I would have been, even though it was a horrific experience. For sure, for
1: sure. So let me ask you this: Everyone has a perception of you—family, friends, your clients, colleagues—but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
2: Man. Um. I, I very much see myself as an entrepreneur. Um, I, I'm one of these guys who, depending on how you count it, I've had somewhere between about 14 and 20 different business ventures I've tried in my lifetime. Um, I was one of those guys who, like riding the school bus at age 12, like I went to school with a cooler with ice so I could sell sodas on the bus ride home to other people. Um so I, I very much have always just been a, a very entrepreneurial focused. even when I've had jobs, you know, I've, I've been entrepreneurial in the job. I've always wanted to explore the job, to improve things, to do that. Um, and again, I've kind of already mentioned, but I'm, I'm a puzzle solver and a problem solver. Um, I, at, in a previous life, my business card literally said attorney and problem solver. Um, Cause I just, I love puzzles. Um I mean, I, I, love, I play puzzles for fun. I play Sudoku and I play Kikuru, Um, and many of the video games I play are puzzle based video games. So I'm just constantly a problem solver because, again, it's that intellectual challenge to me is very interesting.
1: Absolutely. So let's say anyone out there wants to hire you, learn more about you, reach out, <laughs> anything about your
2: world, where can they go? So my website is uh, Agorist Tax Advice, such A G O R I S T, then TaxAdvice.com. Uh, I've got a web page for your listeners set up, AgoristTaxAdvice.com/famous. If they go there, they can sign up for my email list. I tend to send out about one email a week on tax advice, and then one to two emails a month on other business stuff. Uh, If they go to that link, they'll also get a free report. It's got over 60 possible business deductions they can take for a business. It's also got about five personal deductions. So my business, I pretty much only work with people with the business, but some of the stuff on my email list, et cetera, can be very useful for anybody who owes taxes, which is pretty much everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Matthew, this has been great. Thank you so much for your story. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful 2024.